How can dermatologists harness the power of AI to achieve better patient outcomes and provide more accurate diagnoses? Welcome to the EADV podcast, the official podcast of the European Academy of Dermatology and Venereology. In today's episode, Professor Guttenmuth is joined by Professor Alexander Navarini, a clinician scientist in dermatology and the chairman of the Department of Dermatology and Allergy at the University of Basel. Together they discuss how AI can be a useful tool in dermatology practice, particularly in detecting melanomas and distinguishing them from other lesions. You will learn about the incredible potential of artificial intelligence and how it can revolutionise dermatology and complement the expertise of medical professionals. Abstract submissions for the upcoming EADV Symposium taking place from the 16th to the 18th of May are now open. Don't miss the chance to present your research to a global audience. The deadline to submit abstracts is February the 13th, 2024. See the complete submission process and learn more at eadv.org. And now, enjoy the episode. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Alexander Navarini. He is the head of the dermatology department of the University in Basel, Switzerland. And Alexander, you are one of our experts in artificial intelligence and its use in dermatology. We are struggling with this. It's coming up. Not many of us know what it's really about. So we would like to hear from you. What is artificial intelligence? Right. What is it? Well, artificial intelligence is basically when you make a machine decide like a human. And this can be done in the most basic fashion. So, for example, early mechanical autopilots could also already be considered uh, artificial intelligence. These mechanisms or algorithms, they were for a very long time inefficient and useless for the clinic. But because of the huge amount of data that is suddenly available, as well as because of the extreme computer resources that we now have that can even calculate with all these data. Suddenly they have reached a level that is suddenly uh, almost close to us or even sometimes surpassing us in special situations. So AI has now elicited the interest of the dermatologists as well as emotions. Yeah, I think we, I, will, I will ask you about that later. So um, how do you, how do you uh, think at the moment, where are indications, where can we use it already? Where can we have a level of trust? Where, would you, where do you see at the moment the, the edge for using AI in the, in the practice of a dermatologist? I think we must differentiate between the sandbox where we play with these algorithms. We see lots of papers that are coming out and all these are not validated. So they are still far away from the clinic, even though they're impressive and it's, it's amazing what they could do in the future for us. What is already present and certified partially um, as, uh, as um, electronic devices, medical devices, is detection of melanoma and distinguishing them from benign lesions. That is something that 
one company, PhotoFinder, has now certified. Other American companies are in the process of doing that. So that's perhaps the most advanced example where a dermatologist can actually use artificial intelligence. And then we can use it as decision support, I guess. Yeah, because do these companies take liability or will, will, uh, will we pay for technology uh, or the, the patient will pay for technology, but the human still has to make the decision and take the responsibility? Exactly. So the dermatologist who unfortunately in most instances cannot bill the patient directly for this algorithm, he gets the advantage of additional information about the lesion. And this additional information can be very relevant. So once you see a score, how malignant such a lesion is, one tends to believe it, regardless of whether one understands how good it actually is. So the liability though is clearly in the hands of the humans and will stay for the time being. I so far cannot imagine a world where we would give the responsibility from dermatologist to the actual company. I think perhaps in the US there will be some special situations where such companies can still still be sued, um, but not in Europe, I don't think. Yeah, and um, that, that brings to me the mind, do we need to incorporate AI teaching? Do, do we need to start teaching our undergraduate students? Do we need, does, should we really learn each of us what is AI and, and how to use it to understand what we take into our hands? Will we have to, to make it part of specialty training? Is that one of the things that you imagine for the future? Wouldn't that be great to teach all the dermatology residents programming, for example? Mm. The reality is that we're not going to do that. I think we can be lucky if we even get the residents to have a solid dermoscopy training. Residents will be constantly exposed to AI. It will be a tool like the dermatoscope like the Dermablade, like any new advances that we incorporate in practice. But few will actually be able to look behind the scenes. But I think the practical knowledge is already quite useful and perhaps even sufficient. I think we must actually make sure that we don't shrink our teaching too quickly, for example, exactly in dermoscopy. Because of course, once you have an algorithm that can classify a lesion with 99% certainty, why would you even learn dermoscopy? So far though, it's not the case. Even though there's many publications that show that AI is better than American dermatologists, but now also uh, some German dermatologists. Yes. These were situations where the image quality was already great. You know, this was done with static images. So uh, real life competition where dermatologists are able to touch a lesion, evaluate it from different angles there that actually hasn't been shown. So that I think what uh, is it true? Can we say that the more information available, the better the decisions are. So if you have um, more pictures or additional information, patient has certain risk factors um, or adding even the human in the decision, does this give higher accuracy? To some extent. 
this has actually been studied. So when we give one picture to the algorithm or three with slightly different angles, it's actually better if you take the three. And the way this works, not to complicate it for our audience too much, but basically um, an algorithm will get one picture and then it will make a list of what conditions this could be. Perhaps melanoma is on top of the list and then second, the nevus and so on. Then the second and the third picture will be done separately. And then you take these hit lists and you merge them basically. And then from that, you take the average um, uh, differential. So uh, with that, algorithms can be more accurate. But if you then go and take five, six, seven, a hundred, it doesn't get much better. What was also shocking, and so please don't tell the residents, is that the history taking doesn't help the algorithm too much. So perhaps the most informative detail in a recent publication was to know whether the patient had a history of psoriasis. But for example, whether the patient had, let's an example, a history of melanoma or something like that, even though we insist that the residents should take all that information, we couldn't show with the current methods that this is very useful to increase the accuracy of such an algorithm. But perhaps with all the techniques it will be. And it makes me think of a skin check that we regularly do in the clinics. And uh, there also, I have to say, of course, we do the history, but you anyhow look at the patient from head to toe and we have our human intelligence algorithm and there also the history always plays no role in our decisions. Um, so, um, Alexander, where do you see where's at the moment the, uh, the cutting edge in research in dermatology on artificial intelligence? Is it also going towards the direction of decision support or um, maybe uh, scoring diseases? I'm, I think you are quite active when it comes to pastel uh, analysis, hand eczema. Where are we going here? In, in my opinion, and um, there's many, many opinions what should be done with AI, of course, in, in dermatology. In my opinion, AI should be seen as a, as a humble tool that makes the life of dermatologists easier. So decision support is certainly one. What we are working on, and I'm a specialist on inflammatory skin diseases, we are working on, uh, you know, getting more free time for dermatologists. So we have a program in the clinic. It's called VAMEC. So weniger admin, mehr Klinik. And um, so we have algorithms that, for example, count pustules on the palms of the hands in palm plantar pustulosis. And another publication we recently made is an algorithm where you can take photos of the hands. So palms and then the dorsal hands, it will then detect where eczema lesions are found. And it will also at the same time check where in what region of the hands these eczema lesions actually are. And the result is then not a table and so on for the clinician, but the result is just one sentence. So this patient has 
on the palm, 20% involved by eczema, on the finger is 10%, and you can just copy paste that into the patient file. And that is for me the gold standard of actual AI support without that you actually see the AI. So we don't want to see the computer script. We don't want to see zeros and ones. We just want to be assisted. And I think with, with uh, these types of AI, we can do that. I think that is a, the WAMIC, you called it. I, I will introduce this to our hospital. Um, so in English, it was less administration, more clinic. And uh, the intelligent use of, uh, of IT, I think is a problem in all healthcare systems. We get more so IT, but we see less patients because we are more doing more. Uh, and, and even the administration that was fast on paper is now slow in a computer. That's at least my personal experience. I think we must, as dermatologists, really try to go against that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, here, but here you have a really an example how uh, AI can help you to perform your task quicker and free time for the patient. Exactly. That now we are, just to finish this example, we are now in the validation stage. And this is something that gets more and more important because the initial excitement about AI is fading. And now come the regulators and the people who look really in detail and make sure that whatever comes out of these algorithms is actually the truth and not just some artifact, because the risk is, of course, very high. It is incredible how quickly people believe what the computer says. So we must make sure that we protect them from false information. I saw some interesting examples, for instance, when, when uh, there was a benign melanocytic lesion and when it, the picture was taken and there was a, a millimeter um, scale next to the next to the pigmented lesion, it was detected as melanoma oh. because the uh, algorithm detected something strange in the environment of this lesion and added them up. And when they removed the when they removed the scale, it was detected correctly as a as a um, melanocytic, a benign melanocytic lesion. So I, I thought the, uh, this, this combination of artificial intelligence plus human intelligence is still, still important. Um, and I think, Alexander, you're also uh, active in teledermatology. I think that's the next field where AI will be maybe applied. There are already apps where you can upload a picture Uh, for Melano City, there's, there's one company that offers where you take a picture and it tells you whether this is potentially dangerous or not, or whether you should see exactly. it. Exactly, skin vision. Yes. And so we have a prospective study, a Melvec study, that we um, are running in, in Basel. And we, in the beginning, we also included the skin vision app. And we could show that was uh, Dr. Maul. Um, and, and, and colleagues, uh, we could show that this app creates a 30 times over detection of um, suspicious lesions. So if all these lesions were excised without a second look by the dermatologist, that would be an amazing mobility that this creates. So we have to be very careful. And this app is actually classified as a class one medical device. So obviously that is not sufficient. And I understand they need to be done that they are a bit more cautious than they might, maybe might be to not miss a melanoma. But I had this perception that this creates extra consultations because people check themselves and then they come to us. 
because they get this go and see your dermatologist. So yes. um, maybe that brings us to the question, do we need to be afraid about our future as dermatologists? Will we be, will we be substituted by computers? I think if you just take the patient file that we just talked about, you know, it clearly shows that the more you're supported by computers, the more work you have to do somehow, isn't it? Because I think the, the level of quality that is expected of you rises accordingly. So I, I'm 100% sure that we will not be replaced by computers, except if we as at some point have a Westworld like scenario, but, um, Uh, we will just be assisted and we will be extremely good, infallible perhaps at some point for many diagnoses. And that's great. So we can concentrate hopefully on being with the patient, talking, reassuring, making interventions, all these things that we love to do. I think that sounds already like a very, very good future for us. Um, I wanted to ask you one last thing about the passion project with which you are uh, working. Can you give us some more details on this? Yes. Thanks for the question. So we're all aware that the prevalence of skin diseases in Africa is amazingly high. And per country in Africa, except South Africa, there is a one digit uh, number of dermatologists. And medical officers who are typically in charge of, of uh, seeing those patients as family physicians, they are often not trained in dermatology, so they cannot even recognize the simplest diseases in Betigo, ringworm, scabies. And these have all prevalences of 20, 30%. So um, in, with teledermatology, we can easily detect these skin conditions and They are easily treatable as well because all these drugs are extremely cheap. They, you, you, you can find them at the most remote village. That's not a problem. But the sheer volume of patients cannot be handled by any dermatologist, especially people who are not trained on pigment-rich skin, as we call it now. So it's not black skin anymore. And so we make a study where we um, compare the actual human consultation with an AI that is specifically trained on pigment-rich pictures for uh, a small number of skin conditions in children. And the end point would be that we would then really offer a free consultations with decision support for medical officers or parents, if no medical officer is available, to detect skin conditions. And because it's in petaico, scabies, ringworm, um, and eczema, There is little risk of any problems ensuing if perhaps in a, a very small percentage, the diagnosis should not be uh, correct at first. But it is something that I think would not be of great interest here in Europe because there's um, more or less sufficient dermatologists. Uh, but in other countries, of course, resource poor regions, that's really a need. And we're very excited about that project and uh, WHO will also now work with us. So I hope we can, we can pull this off. So I think that has some really interesting prospects then for the future. You explained to us how AI will help us to, to level up our quality um, by hopefully also saving time. 
Um, and on the other hand, that we will be able to scale access to dermatology care and that in even the most remote areas of the world. So I'm very thankful that you taught me about this. Um, I think these are, uh, and, and the next thing is that we don't have to be afraid. Um, that is also a good thing. We will, we will be there in the future. Um, Alexander, is there anything that you would like to share with our audience? Um, any, any last thought that you think is important we should take home? Dermatology is going to change uh, into a more interventional specialty as soon as we have stronger AI. So you're going to spend less time looking up things and more time actually doing interventions. That's why we changed the education of our residents uh, slowly that they both learn more surgery skills as well as more aesthetics. That's one thing. The second thing, I am deeply against this dichotomy of medical and aesthetic dermatology. And I think this should be fused again as many of us do both things and there is a, there is a needless polarization. So these are my last two issues that I, I will now package for the audience to hear. Thank you very much, Jan, for the invitation. Alexander, thank you for coming and thank you to our listeners. Um, and we hope we have you again with us soon. Bye-bye. Before you go, a quick favor. If you are a regular listener to our podcast, we would love to hear from you. Your feedback will help us improve the show and develop episodes that you are interested in hearing. To participate in the short survey, simply follow the link in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for your support. It means a lot. We look forward to hearing from you. Until the next episode, take care of your skin.